you would like to follow along, today's message is going to be coming from John chapter 11. And the whole story that we're going to be looking over today is really John 11, 1 through 45. Uh, but I'm just going to grab a few passages out of this story to read here today. And, and we're going to dissect that and hear what the Lord has to say. So we're going to be looking at John chapter 11, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 6. And then we're going to go on to verses 21 through 27. And then finally, we're going to end it with verses 40 through 45. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that uh, you have been with us this whole time. And although, Lord, we've not been able to meet as a church family, uh, even though we're not able to meet in the building, even though we're not able to meet with each other one-on-one, -on -one, we know that you are still among us. We know that you are the one that are connecting us all together through your Holy Spirit. So we pray, God, in this time of delivering a message that you would speak to us. We pray, God, that as we read the words of Scripture, that you would speak to our hearts. We pray that as we uh, read these words, as we hear what you have to say, that you would open our hearts and eyes to hear you and see you today. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So John chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And then on to verse 21, this is after Jesus waits those two days and, and goes on. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. And then on to verse 40, and this is when Jesus is talking to Martha's sister Mary. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews came, who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. 
as we get into this passage, there is something that we need to remember about God's plan. And that was, death was never a part of God's plan for our lives. His plan was always life. And this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, uh, as, as we see how God made man from the dust of the earth. Uh, what does Genesis 2 say? It says that God breathed into him the breath of life. The intent that God had for mankind was that man would live, not die. But because death has become so so bound up in our life, because we're so used to it in our world, uh, we have become so used to sickness and death that we just assume it is a part of life and we have no power over it. And that we have to wait for heaven before we can be rid of death. But this passage here, Jesus retells the story of life and death through his resurrection of Lazarus. This story tells us that we've been given life here today. So the story starts out uh, in the beginning of, of chapter 11 that, that Jesus loves Lazarus. This is found in verse 3, and in fact, in verse 5, it, it states that he not only loved Lazarus, but he loved Mary and he loved Martha. So the fact is he loved the whole family. They were very close to one another. And the love that's mentioned here in this passage, uh, what you need to know about it is this love is identified as a brotherly love that you might have for a friend. And so this, this word love was often used either to talk about the love that maybe a father and son would have or a mother and daughter or brothers or sisters. But very specifically in this passage, it's used to discuss the love that a person would have for a non-family member as if that person were a family member. And, and all of us have those kinds of friends throughout our life. We have friends that stick closer to us than a brother. We have friends that are so close that they might as well be family. And we really get this picture of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus being that kind of friends with Jesus. We see this in the next chapter, in John chapter 12. Uh, and, and in fact, John mentions it here in this passage that this Mary is the one that we're going to read about in John 12, the next chapter, that, that came to Jesus and opened a bottle of perfume that we find is very expensive perfume and pours it all over Jesus' feet and wipes his feet with her hair. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never had a friend in my life offer to do that to my feet. I probably wouldn't let them, but in any case, uh, this shows you the deep compassion and love that they have for one another. Uh, we find in Luke chapter 10, uh, this is Mary and Martha who opened up their home for Jesus to live with his disciples for a while. Uh, this is in Luke 10 where, where Mary is sitting at Jesus's feet, which by the way, no other Jewish rabbi would allow a woman to learn with other men. And yet Mary is there learning with Jesus. So just in these few passages, we realize what John means by saying Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus was very close with this family. He had a deep, profound love for them. So it makes it a little odd when we get to verse 6 that when Jesus finds out that Lazarus is sick, that he decides to stay two days longer. But what we need to know is that all of the decisions that Jesus makes comes 
from his love for us. And, and John does a really good job of making sure in verse 5 that we know that he loves Lazarus so that when we get to verse 6 and we find out that Jesus decided to stay for two more days even though he knew Lazarus was dying, he's doing it because he loves him. Now, imagine for a moment being around Jesus and sort of seeing this action take place. You, you know Jesus is a miracle worker. You know that if he wanted to, he could heal Lazarus, and you know that he loves him. Everybody around can see that. So it's odd when Jesus gets the news that Lazarus is sick, and he doesn't just get the news through gossip or rumor spreading. His sisters specifically send news to Jesus. So this is the whole family pleading with Jesus, please come and heal our brother. And Jesus decides to stay. But again, John tells us why. He says to his disciples that his plan is that Jesus wanted to reveal God's glory in Lazarus's death. He could have healed Lazarus. In fact, he didn't even have to get up and walk over. We've seen Jesus heal people from a distance. And, and so he could have just raised up his hands and healed Lazarus from the place he was sitting. And that would have been great for the whole family. But Jesus tells his disciples that this will not end in death. It will end in God's glory. So again, back to the decisions that Jesus is making in this moment is based on his love for Lazarus. If we skip on ahead to verses uh, 21 and on, when Jesus does arrive into the village, Martha sees him first and she pleads with them. And, and she makes this statement, if you would have been here sooner, my brother Lazarus could still be alive. So she's pleading with Jesus that if you would have come sooner, we wouldn't have had to experience death. On top of it, she gives a pretty uh, sound theological statement and, and says, but I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And so what Martha is sort of doing here is, is she is lamenting, sort of like the Old Testament prophets would lament, where, where she is making a statement about how bad death is, but then on top of that, she is also making a statement for how powerful and glorious God is. And she's making this statement to Jesus, making sure that he knows that she is upset about her brother's death, but also trusts in him and trusts in God. And so Jesus makes this statement, your brother will rise again. And so it just in, just in these, these two statements here, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And then Jesus says, your brother will rise again. There's sort of the feeling that this is just a, a common pastoral statement that Jesus is giving. Uh, that he is trying to comfort Martha, that he is grieving with Martha, that he is making sure she understands that this isn't the end of life, that one day he's going to uh, come out of the grave, that one day she's going to see him. And she confirms this with her own understanding of life and death. And she says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. You see, a majority of the Jews believed that God was coming to establish his kingdom on earth. A majority of people believe that, that 
They were waiting for that last day. That's what they called it, the last days, where God would come and he would establish his kingdom on earth and those who had already died would be raised to life and then they would spend eternity together. And so essentially what Martha is saying to Jesus is, I know that one day I will either see him in heaven or one day, maybe even after I'm dead, I will see him be raised from the grave. And then Jesus makes a very, very bold theological statement. It's a theological statement that prompts her to reassess what she believes about life and death and who she believes that Jesus is. Because she says, I will see him again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. This is a very bold statement for a Jewish rabbi to make. No, no Jewish rabbi would ever equate himself to the resurrection and the life. No Jewish rabbi would make that statement, and Jesus stands before Martha and says, you don't need to wait for the day of resurrection to experience true resurrection and true life. And he expounds on this and says, anyone who believes in me will live even if he dies, and anyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks the pointed question of Martha. Keep in mind, Martha's brother has just died. Jesus has not prevented his death like she believed he could. She's in the grieving process, but Jesus is asking a pointed question after a statement about being the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Martha, do you really believe that even though you watched your brother die, I am the resurrection and the life? That if you believe in me, you will live. If you believe in me, you will not experience true death. Do you believe this? And so Martha says, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. So uh, in her answer, what she's saying is, I know who you are. And by the way, this statement is also very profound because we only hear a few people make it throughout the Gospels. The other one that's made a similar statement is Peter. This is back in John chapter 6 when, when a lot of Jesus' disciples leave him because of his statement about being the bread of life. And when he looks at Peter and says, are you guys going to leave me too? Peter says, well, we have nowhere else to go. We believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. And so when this is asked of Martha, Martha says the same thing. Lord, I know who you are. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. You are God in flesh, even he who comes into the world, even he who is among us. Well, then Jesus moves on and speaks to Martha's sister, Mary, and, and Mary has similar words uh, to Jesus about her frustrations, and, and she says similarly that if Jesus would have been there, she wouldn't have had to see her brother die. But Jesus says to her that, that she will see glorious things, that she'll see a miracle here today. And by the way, uh, in, in one of those verses, it should be noted that Jesus grieves in his spirit. And, and what we're told from the writer here is that Jesus is human. 
Jesus, Jesus was experiencing the same exact issues that we went through. He was just as sad as Mary and Martha about Lazarus's death. Just as sad. But as we move on to, to verse 40, he commands the people to remove the stone. And, and he's even warned, I think it's by Mary, who says, uh, but Lord, there's, there's a stench. He's been, <laughs> he's been dead for two days, and, and uh, it's not really climate controlled in that tomb there. And the herbs and spices and the wrappings we've wrapped them with, that's not going to last for very long. If you open that tomb, be ready to smell the stench of death. But Jesus commands them to do it anyway, and they remove the stone. And he says to Mary, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they remove the stone, and, and Jesus prays to the Father, and, and he pronounces to God the Father that he's had faith, but he's doing this and he's saying these things so that the people around him would see what miracles he can perform, and what miracles God the Father still wants to perform in their lives. And so he prays this to God, and then he says through the tomb to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And sure enough, the man who had died two days earlier, the man whom Jesus did not come and heal like his sisters expected him to, the man that everybody by this point in the grieving process would have fully accepted that he was gone, he was in heaven, or he was in the ground, and we're not going to see Lazarus until the last day. Let's grieve. Let's move on. This man comes out of the tomb, still covered in, in the wrappings around his, his arms and legs and around his face, and, and he walks out of the tomb and Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. And there's a really important verse that, that sums all of this up. Verse 45, therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done, believed in him. So when Jesus performed this miracle by raising Lazarus from the dead, it was a miracle that proved to everybody who was skeptical, maybe even to those who didn't know they were skeptical. Maybe it was uh, proving to, to some people who were uh, lapsing in their faith to God. Maybe it was for some people that weren't even searching for God. They, they were just going about their business, but they see what Jesus does here, and they come to believe in him. And it's implied that they come to believe how Martha believes that he is the Christ, Son of God, even he who comes into the world. It's implied that they come to believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and those who believe in him will not die. So where do we go with this? Well, there's three applications that I think can be made from the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. The first is, we sometimes think that for God to reveal his glory, he must prevent death. We, we sometimes believe that, that in a way, in a way, the height of God's glory is that he would heal somebody who is sick and keep them from dying. If that were the case, if, if, 
the height of God's glory, if the height of his power in miracles was that he would prevent death, if this were the case, Jesus would have never died on the cross. And if that were the case, we would have never seen his full glory on Resurrection Sunday. Jesus, in this passage, was not interested in preventing death. He was interesting and interested in overcoming it. You see, Mary and Martha expected that Jesus prevent Lazarus's death, but Jesus allowed them to see something more miraculous, not to prevent death, but to overcome it. The second point here is that we sometimes think that the resurrection power that Jesus has will come when we're in heaven or when he returns. But the truth is, we do not have to wait for the end to experience Jesus' resurrection life. We have it offered in the person of Jesus Christ here today. Again, Martha believed that she would see her brother Lazarus in the end, when God established his kingdom on earth. But Jesus was out to prove that she could experience true life true resurrection power in the person of Jesus. The greatest demonstration of resurrection power is in the person of Jesus Christ and being in a personal relationship with him. And then finally, when you allow God to demonstrate his glory in your life, many around you will come to believe in Jesus and will come into life-saving power through him. Of, of course, we want God to prevent sickness and death, but we also have opportunities in, as Christians to show what sickness and death looks like in a Christian's life when we allow God's life to change us. We are a Wesleyan church, and we have roots in, in what's called Wesleyan Methodism. This started way back a few hundred years ago with John Wesley, a, a reformer of the Anglican Church. And, and one thing that his people were known for, the early Methodists, is they were known as being a people that died really well. Doctors uh, have journals and notes about going to Methodist homes where people are on their deathbed and finding that the home of the Methodist people uh, were more joyous and more filled with life than any of the other Christian groups in England of that day. In fact, when somebody was put on their deathbed, they would send out invitations not only to their, uh, to their Christian friends and family, but they would specifically send out invitations to family members and friends that didn't believe in Jesus. And the invitation would say, come and witness a good Christian death. And a lot of the salvations that occurred in that day was when family members and friends would come to their deathbed and would see that God's people are not afraid of death because they know that death was never the plan for life. And so what they found is that a lot of people who didn't believe would come and witness their friends and family dying 
and and they would hear hymns being sung, and they would hear uh, powerful prayers being said over one another. They would witness the atmosphere of love, and, and they would testify that Jesus' presence was in that room that day, and they would come to believe. And not only that, Many of the uh, of the testimonies for entire sanctification, or or you could say the the full surrender of of a person giving their full life to Jesus, happened on the deathbed, because it was on the deathbed that that the Christians realized that death was not important. God's life was, and so it was in these moments of death that even though. Uh, we know it's not a part of life, and even though we would like God to prevent it, we know that true life is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And when we have that true life, we want other people to recognize it. We want other people to experience that true life. Well, today is Palm Sunday. This is the day when Jesus entered into Jerusalem and prepared for his death on the cross. And this week we celebrate what's called Holy Week leading up to Good Friday. And Good Friday is the day that we celebrate that Jesus conquered death on the cross. Remember this week that death was never a part of the plan that God had for this world. But Jesus was willing to take it on so that we wouldn't have to. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life Death no longer has power over our lives. We do not fear it. We do not live by it. But we accept God's plan for us, which is life. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have given us life. We thank you, God, that uh, your life flows through us, that your glory is revealed through our lives, and, and we pray, God, as we move into Holy Week, as, as we prepare for Good Friday, and as we prepare for Resurrection Sunday, that you would go before us. God, we pray that as we're in our homes and, and around our neighbors and the community, that miraculously you would show your love and your power. And God, we pray that a miracle would happen this week as we prepare ourselves for Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We, prepare, we ask, God, that you be with us, that you go before us. Lord, we pray that your life-giving power is demonstrated through us and given to others. We pray this all in your name. Amen. And if you would, receive this benediction as you go. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. <laughs>